everyone, this is 30 Day Trek. I'm your host, Luke Cannon, and in this episode, we are covering our third season four episode of Deep Space Nine, Bar Association. This is the one where, after Rom collapses on the job at Quark's bar due to an ear infection that he's had for three weeks, and Quark's announcement of a one-third pay cut for the whole staff due to dwindling profits from the Bajoran time of cleansing, Rom takes Dr. Bashir's advice, does the unthinkable, and forms a union with the staff to demand raises, paid vacation time, and sick leave. When Quark laughs at their demands, Rom calls for a strike, and the staff walks out, bringing attention to the strikers from around the station and from the F. CA and Liquidator Brunt. Bar Association is an episode of Deep Space Nine that is especially relevant to today. With the WGA and the SAG after strikes in 2023, with the latter still going on as of this recording on November 5th, as well as the hot labor year with over 450,000 workers either on strike currently or have been across numerous industries in the US alone, an episode that focuses on organized labor and worker rights is an episode that totally fits within Deep Space Nine's wheelhouse. And while it's surprising that it took the this long for the franchise to do, as co-writer Robert Hewitt Wolf put it, one of the most pro-labor episodes in television history. At the same time, it makes sense given that Star Trek is a billion-dollar franchise for Paramount and CBS Viacom, and Gene Rottenberry was not above capitalism and was buddies with Ronald Reagan. This is a man who wrote lyrics for the opening theme of TOS that were never meant to be sung, but so that Roddenberry could get royalties on one of the most iconic themes in TV history. So there's always been a bit of a tug of war between Star Trek's philosophy and message, with Rom at one point quoting Karl Marx's famous cry of, Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains, and its franchise infrastructure. And one of the more heartening things to see during the WGA SAG after strikes was seeing our Trek alumni on the picket lines and at the forefront. This episode was a favorite of Armin Shimmerman's since he's been sitting on the board of directors for SAG for years and is passionate about labor disputes. Jerry Ryan has been one of the more adamant voices on the picket line, and Michelle Hurd, aka Raffi on Star Trek Picard, was instrumental in making sure to include in the interim agreements a clause that allowed for SAG-AFTRA members, who primarily make their income via convention appearances around the world, to still make those appearances and keep earning while not promoting any struck entertainment they've worked on. So it's great to see the people who were involved in Star Trek still live up to its ideals in the real world. The episode was pitched by sisters Barbara J. and Jennifer A. Lee, and it was originally considered as a B-plot for either Rejoined or Crossfire. But upon developing it and seeing that there was a lot more potential for the concept, they decided to make a full episode out of it and have the B-plot be about Worf, who had joined the series in its fourth season as an attempt to boost the ratings, trying to adjust to life on Deep Space Nine. This leads to one of my favorite Odo scenes as he points out some of TNG's not-so-great moments under Worf's watch as chief of security. This Patak just robbed my quarters. Take him to a holding cell. I'll need a statement. And you will have one. But what I want to know is how such a security breach was allowed to occur in the first place. Unfortunately, these things happen. They did not happen on the Enterprise. Really? Now, oh, let me see. Stardate 46235.7, Ferengi privateers led by Damon Lurin boarded and seized control of the Enterprise using two salvaged Klingon birds of prey. Stardate 45349.1, Berlingoff Rasmussen, a petty criminal impersonating a scientist, committed numerous acts of theft against the crew of the Enterprise. Shall I continue? That will not be necessary. I know these incidents are the exception rather than the rule. 
But if security breaches like these could happen on the flagship of the Federation, imagine the difficulty of maintaining security at an open port such as DS9. I understand. It is just that I find it irritating. So do I. But I'm afraid you're just going to have to get used to it. And after some chatting with O'Brien and acknowledging the future meme of O'Brien at the transporter bored out of his mind, Worf decides to take his quarters aboard the Defiant. With the main plot, this was also an opportunity for the show to do a somewhat more serious Ferengi episode and to bring the antagonistic sibling relationship between Cork and Rom to a head. Rom, we have to talk. Are you ready to give in to our demands? Of course not. Then there's nothing to talk about. There's plenty to talk about. The FCA's involved now, and those Narsicans working for Brunt aren't just for show. I'm not gonna let Brunt intimidate me. Don't you see, Rom? You should be intimidated. There's no telling what Brunt might do. And I don't want you to get hurt. You never cared what happened to me before. I always care about you. I tried to protect you, save you from yourself. How? By telling me I was an idiot my whole life? I had to be tough on you. I was trying to make you a better Ferengi. What you were trying to do was make yourself feel important. Making me feel dumb made you feel smart. But I'm not dumb, and you're not half as smart as you think you are. Mom, you have to listen to me. The FCA does not have to answer to anyone. And if Brunt decides to get rid of you, I won't be able to stop him. Look at it this way. If Brunt gets rid of me, then all your problems are solved. You always said you wanted to be an only child. And after Cork is beaten up by the two Noskin enforcers Brunt brought with him as an example to Rom, Cork quietly agrees to meet Rom's demand in exchange for Rom stepping down as the head of the union and ending the strike. But upon Cork's bar opening and an influx of business from abstaining Bajorans, Rom quits working for Cork and becomes a diagnostic and repair technician junior grade on the night shift for the station. Thus he'll still be at Cork's, but as a paying customer and brother and not an employee. This was also the episode where his eventual romance with Lita, the Bajoran Dabo girl played by Chase Masterson, began to bloom. In a series that is packed to the brim with great characters, Rom has always been a favorite of mine. I can't help but identify with him as a character that everyone assumes is an idiot, but is in fact a gifted engineer who is held down by not only Ferengi societal expectations and a domineering older brother, but also his own insecurities and lack of self-confidence. Compared to O'Brien, who has a wife and kids and is the chief engineer of the station, Rom always felt more relatable as the average Joe audience surrogate character of the series. And seeing him finally stand up for himself and others in this episode, as well as later on in the show when he comes up with the one thing that kept a full-scale invasion of the Dominion through the wormhole at bay and eventually become the next Grand Nagus, it's one of the most satisfying character journeys that the show did. And to have this in an episode about labor unions and workers' rights that is so relevant to today, right down to the use of malfunctioning scab computer programs potentially replacing the workforce, this makes Bar Association one of the better episodes of Deep Space Nine that deserves a lot more attention. Join me tomorrow for one more look at Deep Space Nine as we jump ahead to Season 6 with one of the best standalone episodes of the series and the culmination of Star Trek's greatest villain. Live long and prosper, and also live well.